Welcome everybody. So today we're going to talk about a book by Seth Gooden called All Marketers Tell Stories. Now this is a very wonderful book. As always, support the authors, buy the book. I highly recommend this book. If you're into marketing, if you're selling any kind of product, any kind of brand, buy this book because it simplifies a huge, huge concept in marketing into a one small, small book. Seth Gooden is a very wonderful author about and he talks about a lot of stuff in marketing um, pick up his book on tries pick up his book on purple cow because those are big big concepts explained wonderfully so let's take deeper into this book introduction right so when you own a brand when you own a product I want you to ask yourself a question what is your story and then will people believe it? Now, when I talk about story, I talk about the core of your brand. I'm not just talking about making a story about your brand. I'm talking about the core of your brand. What does your brand stand for? That's what the story is. What does it stand for? What is ingrained in your brand, your products, your people? That's what a story is about. And are people believing that story? Now, you might be believing that story, but are your customers believing that story? And that's what's important. I want you to think of stories as shortcuts. The thing is, we humans are, we're not really good at processing information because there's so much information out there. Think about just marketing. If you just Google marketing, I bet you'll get like 100 million results, if not more. There's so much information out there. And when there's a book comes out there that, well, condenses it and tells you stories is a better way of telling about your brand, you kind of pay attention to it. You remember it because it's, it's telling you about how stories are effective. And let me tell you this. The people who tell the best stories, doesn't matter if it's marketing, politics, does not matter when. Because we people follow stories. We don't follow, follow facts. And that's very hard for people to understand. We humans are emotional beings that sometimes think. And stories are emotional. So that's important. So he starts with one of the examples uh, by, uh, and it, it's, it's a product made called Rido Wine Glasses. And the story they tell is if you drink your wine with Rydal wine glasses, it's going to taste better. Now, does it? Well, let me tell you this. Experts who have tasted the wine in that glass, they say it's, it, it, it tastes better. Now, these are experts. These people know about wine. And how are they even fooled into thinking that a glass can make a ta wine taste better? It's because... They think it does. If you're told that, you're predisposed to the fact that it does taste better. And it does taste better. Because blind taste uh, tests have shown that it doesn't make a bloody difference. It doesn't. But even experts are fooled. If Think about Coca-Cola and Pepsi. I bet most people can't even tell a difference if you don't see the can. But they have, a, they have a preference. Either they love Coke, either they love Pepsi. Because they're believing the story behind it. 
So that's what's important in marketing. You have to have to understand stories matter. And the biggest brands, the best brands communicate with a story. Because if you're a brand, you're not selling a product, you're selling a story. Anybody can copy your product. They can go, you know, make it for probably a lot cheaper than you can. But when you sell a story, it's very, very hard to tell a story. Very hard to copy a story. So it's important. And if you are telling a story, I want you to make sure that you're making uh, an effort in, in, into uh, so your people, the, the customers you have, are imagining, you know, how your products are going to make them feel. And accomplish. Just look at, I, I and and I know that you know they're the the benchmark of marketing, um, Apple, and and a lot of other companies do a good job. But with Apple, you'll see that they're not so focused on facts. They're more focused on stories. They're more focused on emotions. And there's a lot lot to learn there. So look at the commercials they have. They always talk about how the products make them make you feel. Because they're emotional beings. And the great stories, when, when brands are telling great stories, they're telling less, but they want the customer to imagine it themselves. Because if you tell them a partial story, and I, I really want you to think about it, and, and because, like, I don't remember, it was almost two years ago, there was a Dove ad about, uh, woman and it was a very emotional ad and it didn't say much it didn't say a lot and I can't remember on top of my head but it was very very emotional it didn't say much but it made me think about the emotions and that's why it stuck with me because it made me think about it by myself I'm the one who cooked that story and when I cooked that story you know, I, I, it got ingrained in me. So when you're telling your story, target emotions, right? And don't just tell everything out. Let people imagine it. Because when they put it, put it themselves in their own brains, it makes a bigger, bigger impact. So let's talk about the second thing, second chapter, got marketing. Now, what he's trying to tell in this chapter is most people in the in today's world don't under, understand marketing. They really don't. And that's why products fail. Because they're still using that old, old method. Uh, the, the, the method he's talking about is uh, 30 years ago, there was probably 10 channels on TV. And if you bought an ad in one of those channels, you were guaranteed to sell product. Because there were 10 channels. You really couldn't... Uh, change channels you, you know you, you could but nobody did they had their favorite programs coming in and you just you just watched what was on TV and people watched ads because we were not bombarded with ads we were not bombarded with a thousand channels and and so when you bought an ad you sold a product the time has changed and I apologize for typos it's, uh, I haven't uh, looked through this yet but the time has changed and there's a lot more ads and there's a lot more channels and then not only that you know over time people have grown to 
hate ads or not trust them. People don't trust ads, ads, ads anymore. If you think people trust ads, you're lying to yourself. Every time I see an ad, I'm like, yeah, your products is the best. Yeah, keep telling me that. You know what I mean? It's just that people don't trust that ads more. So marketing is different today than it was 20, 30 years ago. A lot of companies are still using the old model where they just keep on buying ads and ads and ads and ads and think their product's going to sell. And they lose the half, more, if not more money the thing is you cannot control the conversation anymore with money before you could buy an ad you control the conversation but today with social media with so many products and so many ads out there you cannot control what people think and what people do it's hard you can't and if you read one of the books called Positioning, positioning is very important. It's very, very important in the marketplace. You have to position yourself differently. Uh, you have to position your product. Uh, sometimes you can position your product differently. For example, um, and I think so, uh, one of the great success stories, uh, the five-hour en uh, energy, that was not the first energy drink. It was not. Monster, if I'm not wrong, was before it, or Red Bull was before it. But it was the first energy drink positioned differently, smaller, hours, no crash. And that's why it was so successful, because it was positioned differently. But it also told a story, don't you think? Five-hour energy, you know, small, no crash later. That was also a story. And a lot of times you can just, you know, you have to go back and connect the dots because it's hard to connect the dots going, you know, forward. So it, it, it's, think about it for a second. It was a good story positioned differently in the same marketplace that existed when Red Bull existed. Now, before you make, you know, a product, you could be just okay. You know, I mean, you don't have to, you didn't have, you didn't need a story. You didn't need to uh, do anything, to be honest. There were not a lot of products in the marketplace. All you had to do was just make a okay product and people would buy it. But now, people buy stories. Just look at big brands. Apple, there's people buy story. Nike, people buy story. Under Armour, people buy story. So your, your story matters. It really, really does because that's what people are buying. Your products can be made anywhere, cheaper, probably better. But if you have a good story, most people, most companies can't copy you because once you have a good story, you have already ingrained your story in the prospects or customer's mind, and it's hard to change people's mind. And that's what we're going to talk about in the next chapter, worldview. And this is a, it, it's a wonderful chapter being that uh, it, it just it's not about marketing it's about people in general and people have a worldview that they don't want to change they don't they just want it to be reinforced simple like if if you're trying to change people's mind you're going to fail tremendously because people don't want to change their mind they really don't they believe in something and that's what they believe in if you don't like it oh well i'm not going to buy a product so don't be arrogant 
people's worldviews, what people think, came before your product. Because their worldview is created by their experience, their life, their culture. They were there before you. I'm going to cross this real quick. It's going to bother me to the T. Um, so the worldviews, their life, their experience were, was there before your product was created. So don't try to change their worldview because you're going to fail tremendously. You can't change people's mind just the way it is. So in this chapter, it's talking about worldviews and frames. Now, worldview is what people believe in. Right over time, just just think about it. Everybody has a different worldview. Think about worldview as a filter, the filter through which we see the world. If I believe in something, every information I'm going to consume is going to be coming through that filter. Just think about the U.S. Constitution. It's just one U.S. Constitution, but it's you know different Supreme Court judges that think interpreted uh, that that differently right that's why a lot of decisions are five four six four six three uh, and it's the same thing it's the same piece of paper but how do people look at it differently because those judges have different worldviews they have different backgrounds they have different cultures and when they look at the same information they come with different results and that's how we humans are and that's why it's changed. It's hard to change people's mind. You can't change people's mind. People change their own mind. So worldview is how people think, and the frame is how you tell your story to fit that worldview. Frames take advantage of people's worldview. Now I don't want to. I don't want to say like advantage, advantage, but they just take advantage of people's worldview and they that and that's how you want to do it you want to tell your story in a particular frame that goes with their worldview think about the crispy crispy cream right they targeted a worldview of crispy means hot you know fresh right crispy means fresh uh, hot and creamy now all those all those stand for what fresh product because that's what people's worldview different your business you oh let me step back a little bit you can't sell to everybody you can't you're not going to sell your product to everybody so if someone's if you're selling a furniture high-end furniture you're going to sell furniture to people who want to buy high-end furniture if you're selling a furniture with a close out, closing soon sign, there's a particular people you're going to attract because that's a different worldview. The thing is, the mass market is gone. It, it, it's gone. It's not there anymore. Uh, it's not. So if you're thinking about selling to everybody, you're going to fail. Today is the market of niches. You got to create a niche and sell to that niche. What you need to do is find a group of people that believe in what you believe and market to them. Simple. That's it. And that's the only way you're going to be successful. And the only way you can market to them 
or they'll even listen to you is if you get their attention. Now, you really can't get their attention if you are just, you know, countering their biases, right? If you're just being contradicting to what they believe, no one's going to give you attention. But on the other hand, if you frame your story into something they believe, they might pay you attention. They might. So today, mass market is gone. It's a market of niches. And you have to frame your story to the customer's worldview. And, and, and what he's talking about in, in the story of tea and green tea is, first, nobody wanted green tea. right? America was not a tea market. But what they did is they framed the tea market in a way that it, it showed, you know, um, sophistication. There was a cool factor to it, right? Same goes for Apple products. There's a cool factor to Apple products. Everything they do, marketing, and it still is. It's been almost, if I'm not wrong, 10 years since the iPhone came out. It's still a cool product to have. And that's what they did with tea. They made it a cool product. They, 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 they targeted people who are not going to change their coffee habits, but they once in a while they might, have, might want to be sophisticated drinking tea. It's like that, you know, old English people with their little pinky out. So, Apple, you know, they, they, char they, tar they target people, people who think differently. And if you look at their marketing, it's very cool, hippie, um, targeting media creation tool, media create and creating uh, professionals. And they that's what their story is. So, it's important to understand mass market is gone. It's a market of niches. And focus on that niche market. Find your niche market, know their worldview, and create a brand that tells the story, not countering that worldview, but reinforcing that worldview. Just, I want you to think, and I think T-Mobile did a great job. T-Mobile was not a good company. They really were not. And they were doing terribly. And they hired this new CEO, and he really worked hard on it. He's told a different story. He told the story that these big brands are freaking ripping you off. And we don't do that. They're going to provide you more value, value, value. And they do. They provide you more value. The customer service has gone like better. They've done so much better. And they're actually getting a lot of market share from AT&T and Verizon. Is because there's a story that was being told there. The big companies are ripping you off. Come to us. We are good. We provide more value. And we provide excellent customer service. So, even if you have a good story, even if you have a good market, sometimes you have to adapt. Sometimes you have to adapt to the market because markets change. Markets is not, it's not something static. They're, they're um, you know, fads that come and go, but a lot of times market changes. So over time, market has changed for healthy. And uh, like, uh, I know that Twinkies was having a hard time. 
uh, because the market changed. People wanted healthy stuff, and then look at the calorie count. They're like, "Holy crap, that's like a thousand calories!" Do I really want to eat it? Out of the two thousand calories, I gotta eat a day. So they have to change and adapt. Same goes for General Mills. They adapt to whole wheat, and they did told a good story. They told a story that hey, our cereals are now healthier, and it tastes good. So sometimes you'll have to change your story. You'll have to frame it differently because markets change. Nothing in the market is ever static. So keep that in mind. Now, people, and this is goes around all spectrums. This goes around all spectrums. And I can't even tell you if you focus on this, how successful you will be, not in just marketing, but in personal life. It's called cognitive dissonance. And you'll see a lot more today because unfortunately, uh, a lot of people are suffering through this, uh, through our culture, and they're not being exposed to alternative ideas. And all they're looking, and especially with social media, all they're looking is to reinforce their ideas because we can create these small groups and stay in those groups and just keep reinforcing our ideas is we as humans don't want contradicting beliefs we want our beliefs reinforced because once you give people contradicting beliefs they start giving anxiety they start having high levels of cortisol and they just don't people we don't we as humans don't like that so that's why we go to social media and live in our own little groups may that be the left may that be the right May that be brands. We create our own little groups for about brands. So cognitive dissonance, keep that in mind. People don't want to change their worldviews. They want it reinforced. They want it embraced. And if you understand that concept in marketing or in life or in politics in general, you're going to go very, very far. Now, if you are telling a story to a, to a niche market, that story first needs to be authentic. You just can't say we do one thing, but you do the other. People catch on to that pretty quick. So after you tell a story, make sure you're consistent with that story. From type on your website to the color of your website. A to Z. And companies who master that. Because we humans are looking for consistency. We want consistency. And if you can figure that out, that consistency, your brand's going to do wonderful. Now, he, he goes through in, in the first chapter, euphemisms, right? And what it is, is it's just about turning words. Because words can make a huge, huge difference. It's about twisting the world into people's worldview. Like, committee equal task force. Right? Just changing words that mean the same thing can make a huge difference on how you view the world. Now keep that in mind. Worldview does not mean a community. It does not mean that if I believe in if Earth's flat, I'm just going to have a big community. You know, Earth's flat. I can think the Earth's flat, but at the same time I can take my medication for my diabetes. A worldview is not a community. In a community, you can have different, you know, different worldviews. And that's where it's hard because finding the worldviews, it's not science. It's gut. 
It's it's about thinking from your heart instead of your brain. And that's why it's hard to find people who can just tap into that worldview. And one of the things a lot of big companies master is we want to do what our peers are doing. And it's usually always that enthusiastic early adopters that actually make a huge difference. And um, it, it, uh, it, it's one of those things that you have to understand that usually it's a small set of people who drive a brand because they're the enthusiastic. They're the one that are posting all the time. They're the one who are just so excited about what you do. So keep that in mind. We want like the bandwagon effect, which is what we want to do, what our peers are doing. And then uh, there's only a small subset of, of population who's going to make your brand uh, successful. So once you find that small subset, I'll, you know, if you own a brand, you make sure you nourish them, you cherish them, you appreciate them because it's important. And I was going to tell a story here about Fire Energy, which I already did on how uh, you know, he took a big, big bottle, made it to a small bottle, and just positioned it differently. And, and, and went with people's worldview. So that concludes the first chapter. The conclusion is, people have a certain worldview. Don't try to change it. Frame your story around that worldview, and you're going to have a better chance of selling. Let's go on the second chapter. Only the new matters, and then the people guess. And in the first chapter was the the lengthiest one. Reason being because it was it, it covers a very big concept, and you have to have to just take that concept to the core because worldviews matters. They really do. And every 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 commercial you're gonna see out there, you're gonna start seeing how they target emotions, how they target worldviews, and how they frame their stories around their worldviews. And companies that target emotions are the companies that win. Period. Just the way it is. We are emotional beings that sometimes think factually. And that's a fact. So, people buy things that fill an emotional need. Right? When you're selling products, sell ideas. And ideas spread. It's, it's, it's one of the books written by Seth Godin called Idea Wires. And it's a good book. It's old, but it's still a goodie. How ideas are spread. So products are selling an idea. And ideas spread. So when you're creating a story, when you're, you know, targeting an emotional need, I want you to think about how you're inspiring people, how you are, you know, spreading ideas. And the thing is, and that's something uh, Seth Gooden talks about in his book called Purple Cow, is we always look for new stuff. And the great example that it gives is if you go to a farm uh, and if you see a purple cow, you're going to notice it. You are. It's just going to catch your attention. And uh, when it looks different from the status quo, that means that purple cow is looking different from that uh, white and black cows we're gonna make prediction and we make assumptions that goes with our worldviews keep that in mind everything revolves around our worldview 
So, when you look at that purple cow, you're already thinking, huh, a purple cow? What is that cow about? How did it get purple? Why is it in the middle of a field? Right? Tell me if you... I want you to imagine for a second. Just go with me. Close your eyes. Think about a big, big farm. And think about a bunch of black cows, white cows. And then there's a purple cow standing in the middle. What would you think? It's going to take you back. It's going to take you back a little bit. Right? It took you back. And you're going to start thinking, why there's a purple cow there? What is it doing? Why is it purple? And that's what we humans do. Once we spot something out of the ordinary, because there's so much information out there. If, you know, we get overwhelmed, we have a limited brain power. So once we spot something out of the ordinary, we're going to start looking at it and start making assumptions and start creating our own stories. And that's why you have to be careful. Is if you're creating that purple cow, is you make sure that you can you know, kind of guess what people are going to start assuming is important. And our need to look for a cause. Now, this is a very innate human need. It's look for answers. And I can't even tell you how powerful that is because a lot of times we come up with the wrong answers just because you want an answer. When we didn't know about tides, we thought it was God. When we don't, we don't know about the sun, we thought it was God. We didn't know about the wind, it was God. Because we wanted answers. We need answers. We can't let things hanging. We just can't. And whenever somebody comes with an answer, may that be wrong, may that be right, that goes with our worldview, and answers a lot of questions we have we tend to follow it unfortunately that's just the way we, we are designed that way it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong a lot of times when people are looking for an answer and you give them that answer they will buy that answer look at politics in general all these politicians are doing are selling a story selling a story that goes with people's worldview and giving them answers that they're looking for. That's it. That's simple. And if you can do that in your brand, you are going to do great. And cognitive dissonance, we already talked about a little bit. You know, we have conflicting beliefs. We believe what we believe. We don't want conflicting beliefs um, because it just starts creating anxiety, and we don't. We don't. We don't want to feel that way. And uh, people go to lengths, people will go to lengths to prove their point, to prove their worldview, their initial assumptions, even if they're wrong as heck. Because once you have a bias, we will go to lengths to reinforce that bias, to extreme lengths. Because it's just not about us anymore, it's about our pride, it's about our ego. So keep in mind. Keep in mind, cognitive dissonance is important. Don't tell a story that counter people's beliefs. You can tell a story that reinforces their beliefs. Frame it that way, but don't counter it because you're not going to sell a lot of products if you start countering people's beliefs. All right, so summary of chapter two, 
we look at the new stuff and then we make a story on it and make assumptions on it. Okay, so let's talk about step three that Seth Gooden talks about in this book called First Impressions. Now, what are first impressions? Almost highlight that, open that up. Now, we as humans make snap judgments, and then we go ahead and spend a lot of time on defending those judgments. It's, and at the end of the day, it comes down to ego. So if you don't make a good impression at first, you're going to put yourself at a huge, huge disadvantage. The reason being, the, the first time we look at you and your brand, we make an assumption, we make a story, and then we try to defend it because now it's our decision we made. <clears throat> it's a decision we made about your brand, and now i got to defend it because it's my ego we're talking about here. So once we decide on something, we have a bias. Think about it. If you decide you like a politician, you will ignore all this time he misspeaks or he messed up or even bad policies. And you will just look at the things you agree on and ignore the rest. And that's, uh, the reason I choose politics because most prominent is politics. It's because, you know, if, uh, if a politician is attractive, we tend to uh, like them. And that's just one of the human biases. And then we just ignore all the crappy stuff, but, uh, you know, and then just hold on to stuff that we like on. Because that's the way we we're designed. And don't forget, we're still fueled by our pride and ego. Because once you make a decision, you got to justify it. Like, think about Al Capone. Al Capone, when he was, you know, getting hauled off, or if I'm thinking, I'm not, I don't remember on top of my head, it was getting killed. He's like, well, I don't think I did anything wrong. All I was doing is giving people a good time. Even Al Capone didn't think he did anything wrong. Because he made a decision, now he's got justified um, uh, to him and other people. So, Think about normal people. People are filled with emotions, pride, egos, and you have to keep in mind if you're a marketer because you, either you gotta uh, frame your story, you know, around that worldview, or ignore that niche altogether, move to a new one. And first impressions are important. That's why you're told to dress up on an interview. You know what I mean? First impressions are important. And the thing is, when you're talking about a brand, you do not know when that first impression is going to happen. It could be an email, could be a Facebook post, could be an Instagram post, Twitter tweet. So you have to be consistent around all channels. And that's what he talks about in this third chapter. It's first impressions are important, but you don't know when that's going to happen. So... Make sure you're consistent along all channels. And then, let's talk about the fourth step. The whole book is about telling great stories. So, and this is something I know I'm probably repeating myself a lot, but once people make their minds, it's nearly impossible to change it. It really is. Have you tried changing people's mind on politics, on religion? Let me tell you, it's going to end very badly for you. Because we have made our mind. 
We don't want to change it. Our whole life is revolved around that view. So if you tell me to change that view, my whole life changes. And I'm not ready to change it. So good luck trying to change people's mind. It's, it's nearly impossible. When people want to change their mind, they change it on their own terms, not because you want them to change. So keep that in mind as a, as a market is very, very important. Because if you're a marketer and you're trying to sell a product, you have to keep in mind that you're, people are buying not because they have to, it's because they want to. Because of the, the, the way it makes them feel. Like, do we really need to buy the new iPhone? Not really. But we love the way it feels. The, the great things it can do. Look at those commercials. The great pictures we can take. The great uh, other stuff we can do. Right? It makes us feel different. It makes us feel cool. It makes us feel the things we can accomplish there that are going to make us cool and uh, feel good. So today we we buy because we want to, not because we need to. But people not only buy the products just for the product themselves, also how the the tribe, which is the whole community, the whole customer service staff, everything you have from A to Z in that company makes them feel. If out of this whole book, if you take three big concepts. We are emotional people that sometimes think with facts, tell a good story, don't contradict other people. If you just take those three concepts and apply that to your business, I'm going to tell you it's going to take off. Because we are emotional beings, we don't think with facts, we think with emotions. And then peer reviews matter. If you tell a good story, people are going to say, oh, that is a good product. I bought it. It worked great. Because as a marketer, I can buy that $10,000 commercial and $10,000 magazine ad and tell people all day my products are the best, the best, the best. People could care less because they know marketers lie. And they believe more in their friends than they believe in you. And the bandwagon effect. The more friends they have, more friends they're buying stuff, um, the same brand, the more, you know, they're going to buy as well. So if you have a brand, try to see if you can, you know, have people review. One of the things Amazon was successful was because they mastered the review system. And to this day, I'm biased because not any other, any other company does not have the same amount of my trust or reviews as Amazon does and that's why I buy from Amazon because I like to read the reviews before I buy anything because it could say I have the best phone case in the world but eh, if people aren't saying that then probably isn't and feelings and story triumphs utility feelings and story triumphs the utility do you think iPhone is usually the fastest phone or the most with the RAM or the most of the storage? No, no. But we like the way iPhones or phones makes us feel. And especially in the United States, it's one of the most popular phones. It's an iPhone, popular phone as well. So feelings, 
because Apple targets feelings, they tell a good story, and they sell crap ton of products. So keep in mind, you gotta like, tell great stories that are authentic. You have to keep in mind how they make people feel, right? Feelings. And keep in mind, people are buying your product because of how it makes them feel and makes them look than the utility of it. It's important to know that. So there's a few examples he's giving. Um, the Crock-Pot. I have a Crock-Pot, not gonna lie. And uh, I, the reason I bought a Crock-Pot because I was tired of you know, eating frozen food you know, heating up in the oven. It just didn't feel, didn't feel healthy. But the crock pot is the same thing. You know, they sell you the ingredients, you put it in together, but it makes, I like the way it feels. The smell, my house smells of food. It's just, I like the way it feels. It might not be healthier, but I like the way it feels. And that's why I bought a crock pot. They told a great story. Crock pot meals are healthier than frozen food. Are they really? I don't know, maybe not. But I bought that story and I bought a crock pot. Expectations drive perceptions. Now, if I sell you a $300 wine, it's probably going to taste better than a $10 wine. In a blind test, maybe not. But if I, if not in a blind test, probably will. I'm selling you a $200 steak. It's going to taste better than a $40 steak. Just the way it is because we're, we're, we're anchored. It's a, it's, a, it's a psychology principle called anchoring. And when I'm giving the high ticket price item, I'm anchoring. My bias is anchored towards better steak. So it's going to taste better. I'm going to tell you the tricks your mind, mind plays on you is amazing. So if I'm telling you a $200 steak tastes better, it will taste better because you believe it. One of the examples he was talking about is, you know, how those, uh, and I don't know if any of you remember or any of you are old enough to remember, they have this thing going on in the parking lot, right? Where the you, people pull up on WAN and say, hey, listen, listen, do you want to buy this $40 speaker for 40 or 80 bucks? I'll sell it to you right now for cash. And it made you feel a little icky but at the same time, made you feel smart, and then it was weird. Well, I never bought it, but I know a lot of people did, because it targeted that. Hey, people, you will feel smart. You sell, you buying a four hundred dollar item for eighty on a parking lot. I know there's something fishy on it, but I don't care. It makes me feel smart, and this sold a crap ton of those. And. Again, you know, Amazon and eBay. eBay ruled ruled the industry for a while, but Amazon came forward and they focused heavily on customer service. And look at today, people buy from more on Amazon than on eBay because it's the perception. Amazon has created a great perception of great customer service. And so far, I've been buying from them for seven years. I've never had an issue. And eBay, it's a little... They, they let it go for a while and I don't trust it as much as I trust Amazon. That's just my personal opinion, but one of the examples, you know, success of Amazon.
They focused on customer service. People have an expectation of great customer service, and that's why they get it. And once in a while, when they're not, they're like, oh, it was just a fluke. Sometimes shit happens. Oops, stuff happens. So keep that in mind. Fibs and frauds. Fibs and frauds. Now, fibs are basically what he's said saying is are lies that make a story true. Now, they're really not bad if you own a brand. Because look at the the Rydal wine glass story. You you know it's a really uh, you know wine glass is not gonna make your wine taste better. But that's the story. That's a fib. It's not hurting anybody, but that's how they sell their product and people buy it. Now frauds, frauds are story that brands tell that are not authentic. It shows in the way they conduct business. Now, if Amazon was telling a story of great customer service, but they didn't back it up, they'll be caught and they'll be punished really, really bad. Same was for eBay. eBay said it was telling a story for a long time for great customer service, but there really wasn't. And they got punished for it. So fibs are okay. Frauds are a big no-no. Stay away from frauds. You just can't create... If you create a fraud story without backing it up with a, a good product, if you create any story not ba backing it up with a product, it's going to be a fraud. And the marketplace is going to punish you bad. And this is very important. We talked about in euphemism in a little bit, but uh, in, in, the, in the previous chapters, but naming and framing matters ladies and gentlemen it really does let's just look at politics and these people are expert marketers they really are i once you read marketing and once you read uh books such as all marketers tell stories you will see how good marketers politicians are think about the patriot act now voting against the patriot act unpatriotic is patriot act good not really but it did the way it was framed it was unpatriotic. Uh, there was one of the one of the interviews I was uh, listening. I'm, I'm, I don't know what news channel that was, and uh, it was uh, and it, it's just amazing how good these uh, politicians are and how they twist things. Is uh, there was an interview with on gun violence, and I'm not sure of the channel, but they were talking to Newt Gingrich, and um, they were talking about guns and how you know actually the violence has gone down. And Newt Gingrich comes out and strays right away. He's like, yeah, you go with facts. I'm going to go with how people feel. And he is so true on that. The facts do not matter. Feelings matter. The way you frame your story matters. Why do you think all the horrible, horrible uh, policies are named in a way that they sound great? But internally, they're horrible because voting against it would be psh, terrible. Even those those policies are terrible. It's all about marketing, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't matter politics, doesn't matter branding. It's all about marketing. And never, ever, ever, ever tell people that they believe in a lie. 
No one likes to feel stupid. Uh, I think it was Mark Twain who said, it's easier to fool people than tell them they're fooled. The world has not changed in the last 2,000 years, 3,000 years. It's the same. We think the same way. So never ever tell people that they believe in a lie because nobody likes to feel stupid and they're going to shun your brand. It's going to happen. So let's move on to step five, authenticity. And, and we talked about a little bit about, in Fibs and Fraud about being authentic. And the, the easiest way to be authentic is actually to interact with your customers. That's the easiest way. You can say all you want, but when you interact with people, you come out, come out as authentic. A lot of times, and, I, and I, the reason I give T-Mobile an example because I've seen their worse and I've seen their better, is I saw T-Mobile and on the social media, they were interacting with people. People had issues on social media, they were answering them. Hey, PM me, we'll solve your issue. That comes out as authentic. I can say I have the best customer service in the world, but if I'm not doing little things, people are not going to believe me. Now, never ever say, that's all I can do. If you're in a customer service, branding, never ever say that's all I can do because it creates a negative interaction. Really, is that all you can do? Come on. Choose better words. And again, uh, again, authentic stories magnify the brand. And the thing is, you need to be authentic all the time and need to back that up with a good product. You just can't say, <clears throat> I have a good product and just you know, have a horrible product. Can't do that. The marketplace is going to punish you. Silk, right? If you don't know, Silk was, is, a, is a drink. Now, Silk didn't have to put their uh, milk in the refrigerated section. It didn't have to be refrigerated, but they did because refrigeration means fresh. Right? Same for five-hour energy. They put their uh, drinks not by the vitamins, but by the checkout line. Told a different story. So, how what creates a good story? You know, we've been talking about story, 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 worldly, worldly, worldly. What creates a good story? A good story has these features for Seth Gooden. A shortcut. Story provides you with a shortcut. A miracle. You know, seen those uh, buying on TV commercials? They're miracles, aren't they? Money gives you know gives you access to money. Social success, social hierarchy, important. The humans are designed for social hierarchy. That's why you buy expensive cars, expensive houses. Gives you a sense of safety. Fuels your personal ego. Gives you fun, pleasure. A sense of belonging. We need that in humans. We need a tribe. A sense of belonging. And creates fear. How do you think people sell their, you know, alarms? Alarm companies, how they sell the services. They create fear. There is a robbery or burglary every 10 seconds. Right? So those are 
things that are contained in a good story. So next time when you're creating a story about your brand, think about those things. Those they can give you a good leg up on creating a good story. Okay, so let's talk about the lying world. And we as consumers know that everybody lies. Marketers lie. Pretty much everybody lies. We do not believe people. Just the way we think. We know Walmart competes on price. Amazon competes on convenience and great customer service. And the thing is, you cannot change minds. Now, if Amazon started saying we have the cheapest prices and Walmart started saying we have the greatest convenience, they're both going to have a hard time. They both have their positive points. They have a worldview. The people have a worldview of these both companies. And that's what they try to reinforce again and again and again. So don't try to change people's minds. Don't try to go to a community that has already bought a story. So if people already bought Walmart is has the cheapest price, Amazon doesn't need to counter that story. Amazon has its own story there to go in. Or you can go to people who have not changed their minds yet, right? Who have not, um, who doesn't, who don't think that Walmart has the cheapest prices. So that's where you have to find the group of people that still uh, have not bought another story, and then you can market to them. And you can always try to split the community, right? People buying steak, same kind of community, but. People buying a $100 steak are different than people buying a $7 Subway steak. So a $100 steak sandwich is targeting different people, and a $7 you know, steak sandwich is targeting different people. So you can always split the community, but don't try to change people's minds. Now we're at the end of it, end of the book. There's a lot of good information at the end of the book. And uh, the first thing I want to talk about is how politicians take advantage of this market politician and uh, politics getting elected presidential elections is nothing more than good marketing nothing if you can master mark marketing you can probably win a political campaign especially in today's world you can think about how politicians they say these extreme things right when they're getting in campaign mode they're like oh i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that and the moment they, they get elected, they just kind of retract back on 90% of it. Why? The reason being is when you say these extreme things. You get this voter base all excited. They're the one doing all the work, voting for you, exciting other people. Hey, 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 you got to vote. You got to do this. You got to do that. And once they get those people started, when? Then they got to move to the center a little bit to get some work done. And it works every time, has for, for a long, long time. And one of the things he's, uh, he, when you talk, he's talking about marketing, he's talking about looks matter. So if you're, uh, you know, if you have a brand that looks expensive, people will be willing to pay more for it. And if you're especially starting a new brand, if you're starting out, just like Serum XM did, try to do some exclusives. That because if, if you have a popular exclusive and you can bring into your platform, you're going to start seeing people join in. And this is not guaranteed to work. I know a lot of companies have tried it. For example, I know the Tidal Music Service has tried it. 
and the you know having exclusive artists but didn't work out so it's a hit and miss so be you know be a little cautious proceed with caution see if it works or not uh, you'll have a better chance if you give it a try but it's not a guaranteed success now I wanted to tell a story of a local diamond store that I think and I've seen it go from zero to one of the most popular ones in the whole state and I from and, and learning from their marketing and applying these principles I pretty you can pretty much dissect the whole marketing because what they did is they they, they applied pretty much every principle we talk about in this book it's, it's, it's if I'm not wrong it's called golden diamond stores or something like that and they started by saying that these big stores are ripping you off we got better stuff at better prices because we cut out the middleman and they kept repeating that and they became the store that came out that that broke that broke that chain got rid of the middleman and they were getting really successful with it because they told a story went with people's worldviews because these diamonds were way overpriced and they made a good business out of it another story there's a local lawyer I'm not sure where you're reading it but you you hear his ads every freaking 30 minutes on radio uh, Morgan and Morgan right for the people now great marketing I don't know what kind of lawyer he is but great marketing reason being 90% of the time this commercials I see he's giving free value to people he's educating people he's telling a story I am for you I'm working with you these insurance companies are working against you that's a story that's a worldview that's a frame so a lot of times once you know what worldviews are frames are you'll see good marketing framing their story in, in those worldviews but I want you to keep in mind worldviews change sometimes they change over time I'm not saying all of them change what I'm saying is certain worldviews change over time what you believed in your 20s is probably different than what you believed in your 30s and that's just for me personally there's a lot of things I believed in my 20s that I'm I look back and say did I really believe in that so what I believe in my 20s is different than what I believe in my 30s and the end of the book he's talking about why stories fail well first nobody notices your brand or story right if you're not out there no one's gonna notice you no one's gonna buy from you no one's gonna buy your story and nobody tries it I'm gonna correct this real quick. nobody tries it right you gotta give people stuff to try so they can spread the word it's important Again, don't forget that peer effect, that bandwagon effect. We trust our peers more than we trust the marketers. So give your product out a little bit. Give samples. Let people try. If it's a good product, it's going to do great. And no loyalty. You're not spending enough time to create brand loyalty. Creating brand loyalty should be your number one priority. You create brand loyalty. You create that following that spreads the word your brand's gonna go to a next level and not and not focusing on word to word about marketing 
you have to make sure that your brand is comfortable. Uh, you people are comfortable sharing your brand. They should be able to share the content you create, the stories you create with their peers, especially with Facebook, Twitter. It is so important because it's so easy. It's a lot easier these days if you do things right to make a good brand. So ending this book, what do I think about it? Great book. If you're into marketing, buy it. It's not going to take you more than seven hours to read it. Great, great concepts. Apply it in your brand. And buy the book. Support the author. It's important. These people have spent a good amount of time creating good books. I only review good books because I, I read a lot of books and usually it's only the second one that I'm reviewing is because I only try to review the good books because I know how precious your time is. So there's four points I want to I want to talk to you that if you take away from this in-depth review is the first one is don't counter people's beliefs. They have a worldview. Let them have a worldview. Don't change it. Frame your story to meet that worldview. Third, keep in mind stories matter. Good authentic stories matter and fourth spend time and money on creating brand loyalty and creating the authentic story that people feel comfortable sharing okay well thank you so much for listening to this i appreciate every moment you give to listen to my in-depth reviews if you have any feedback feel free to leave comments i read all the comments thank you so much and i'll next see you in the next one thank you